My name is Colm Keyes and you're listening to the To The Point podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Summer Sportswear, where you can now use code KEEN10 to get 10% off all your Summer Sportswear products. Check them out on social media and on their website. Now, on to the episode. Brilliant, Colin. Brilliant. So, I'm going to start off with my first traditional question, and it's, um, how would you describe what it is you do? Well, I'm the GA correspondent for the Irish Independent, and I have been a correspondent now uh, with that paper since since 2003, so I cover every aspect of Gaelic, Gaelic games, really, from obviously matches, match-based features, and uh, uh, any administrative elements to it too, so a broad, broad sweep across Gaelic games, really covering every aspect of it. And like, can you give us an idea into maybe like say a working day or a working week in the life of a GA correspondent? Well, obviously, at weekends, it's match-based. So yeah. like like any other GA correspondent there are, and especially during league and championship, and right now for inter-county level, it's a, it's a, it's a seven-month season. So from early January, you know, you'll be marked, as we call it, marked for predominantly Sunday games, but there are times also, especially in uh, June and July now with the advent of the quarterfinals mm-hmm. and the semifinals much earlier in the year, you know, there's a lot of Saturday work as well. Uh, but predominantly Sunday, and obviously the All-Irelands have ended in July, but I covered the ladies' final, and I covered the Camogie final as well. So that's really, really around weekends, match reports, analysis, anything like that, statistics around the games, uh, that's predominantly it. But during the week, it's stories as they happen. It's obviously some elements of analysis. There are also interviews that are few and far between now, even with even with managers, that's that's certainly been been something uh, that's uh, more prevalent in more recent years. Um, but there's a lot of uh, there are obviously some commercial commercial uh, activities around player engagement too. So from time to time, I might pick up some of that. But generally, it's 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 rolling news, it's rolling features and analysis that I would uh, chiefly do. So this period be your let's say quote unquote off season like you might take a holiday now especially with the championship intercounty championship over we're heading into club championship would this kind of be the, your best time of the year for, for a break or whatever would be yeah about two or three weeks after three weeks after the championship things I would find Tracy things do do slide a little bit obviously there's a bit of news around at the moment still there are a lot of managerial appointments and there will always be that I mean there's a, yeah. probably 11 football appointments out there at the moment some of them haven't been filled. There's a very, very interesting one right where you are now. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and that's creating, obviously, probably the most interest of all, although things probably have to step up in Donegal too. But there are still bits and pieces of news and there will always be movement on that front between managers and may- maybe players committing, not committing to next year or something like that. So that that can still happen a little bit in August. But generally, you're in the foothills of the club championship. And mm-hmm. what we would feel at national level is while... While there is interest in them, it, it can be more uh, localised when you're in the early stages of the championship. The appeal of another county uh, would not be as great, obviously, as it would be within that county. Now, when it gets to the knockout stages of championships, I think there's a keener interest across the counties. And I'm sure 
Well, traditionally, we would always focus on it then. I would cover a lot of county finals. I've I've covered the Mayo County final a lot over the last uh, over the last two decades. That's for sure. It'd be one of the ones. There'd be a few I would tend to go to more than others. That would be one also. Kilkenny hurling final. There's a few like that that you would yeah. carry football final, and they can be very very big events in the in their own right. That that uh, would provoke a lot of national interest. But what I find is the local papers and the local outlets cover the local games so well and they're so detailed and the knowledge of it is so great that for, at national level, the focus just wouldn't be as great on it uh, as I say in the early stages of the championship. So I don't see too many county finals now being played between now and the middle of September. And even at that, they will be few and far between. It will be really towards the end of September and into October and right through to the club championships, the provincial club championships and the All-Ireland club semi-finals will be on uh, in the run-up to Christmas. So uh, that will be, again, a busy period, say, from the middle of September. So I'll work on for another week or two and then I will take my holidays for a while. So, hmm. But that's that's generally the shape of it. Yeah. I want to get on to the Mayo uh, managerial race later on, but um, I want to, let's say, rewind to the start of your career. I mean... Was it always the idea to go into the media? Was it always the idea to go into sports journalism? Or was it just kind of, I kind of fell into it? No, I didn't. I had earmarked it uh, to go to college. Uh, actually, I think it was Coleraine. There was a media studies course. There was also one in Rathmines. But I had my mind focused on one in Coleraine, UUJ in Coleraine, or UU Coleraine, University of Ulster Coleraine uh, at the time. And I was uh, focused on that. But as it happened, a job came up. A traineeship came up in my local paper, the Meath Chronicle. I'm from just outside. I'm from Navan. Mm. And uh, my career guidance teacher uh, knew what I was interested in. And as it happened, his brother, his brother was the assistant editor. He really probably was the editor at the time, if I recall. But he was officially assistant editor in the in the local paper. And they were looking for somebody to try out for a couple of weeks. So after my leave insert, I went in for a couple of weeks and I stayed and I'm I'm here ever since. So I did this. I did that. What was called a traineeship at the time doesn't happen now. Obviously, it's 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 very much college based. But I started that. Is that basically and, like an internship? Yeah, very much so. Um, so he was my he was my he was my trainer, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so I started there. Uh, for a few years, I went to the Sunday World after that, and then I was in the Mirror Group in the middle of the nineties, I suppose, maybe the mid to late nineties. Uh, a lot of the tabloids uh, in British tabloids would have the UK tabloids would have established much greater Irish arms. So hmm. I became a sports correspondent, predominantly Gaelic games for the Mirror uh, yeah. at some stage in the nineties, uh, and I was there a few years. Uh, had great times there. And uh, then uh, an opportunity came up in the independent. Independent, I think around 2003, it was Gaelic games focused predominantly. Although initially there were some other sporting elements, and uh, I was happy to take that. And I'm I'm there ever since. What was the the real attraction to it? You said you marked journalism or media from a young age. What was the real, let's say, attraction to it? Well, I liked sport first of all, primarily, and you know a lot of people a lot of people like sport. I also I also mm. liked. I also liked writing to a degree too. I liked I liked to write. So when I combined the two together, that's really that's really where I um that's really where I came across it. That's where I developed an interest in it. Um so all things sport I was really, really keen on. And uh 
just took an interest in following every level of sport, whatever it was. In the 1980s, could have been pot black snooker and I would have sat down in front of it. American football actually was very big at the time. I would have taken an interest in that. I would have lost interest in it since. But back in the 80s, it was a it was a very, very big thing, too. So and cycling, even cycling with the Irish uh, with the Irish cyclists and the Tour de France. It was a great draw into that. So between snooker and cycling and, and games like that and obviously Gaelic football and hurling and, you know, the English first division was nothing like the Premier League now. But I just took an interest. I just took an interest in everything. And, you know, t- TV was a lot more limited then. It was, uh, yeah. you know, some sport on a Saturday afternoon. But you'd watch anything and you'd just follow anything. And, you know, I would have read the papers avidly. Uh, the Independent, among all the other papers, would have come into our house back then too. And it's not, you know, obviously there's so many media outlets now, but, you know, get your hands on the paper and go through it from cover to cover. Sport was was just how I developed the interest in it, really. And who was kind of your idol at that stage? Did you kind of look up to someone? You say that fellow's in the paper. Want to read what he has to say, or was it kind of more more open minded? It was more. It was more open minded. I mean, even 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 the Daily Mail used to come in to mm. uh, to to our house. Uh, I had a relation living with us who lived in England for many years, and I'd just be fascinated in reading the Daily Mail and the coverage of the soccer. So it was never particularly focused on on anyone in terms of in terms of writing. Sunday Tribune and this was a great paper in the eighties and through to through the nineties too when it when it was uh, it was there and obviously the Sunday Independent and Sunday Press were very big. The Sunday papers were very very big, probably bigger more so than the dailies then than they are now, shall I say? Um, so by and large, that that's you know you, I, I would have watched I I, I would have uh, I would have read anything you know any mm. any anything from cover to cover really. It was it was there was no particular. There was no particular journalist. There was no particular paper. I read them all and I absorbed everything. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, you had sports journalism on your mind from the off. Like, did you ever feel that you wanted to maybe, I don't know, you were kind of pigeonholed in sports, you wanted to go into news, or was it always just sports? Really, yeah. I actually did a bit of news when I was in the Chronicle early on, court cases and Hmm. things like that. As part of the traineeship, you did all all of that. Uh, You did all of that very early on, but it very very quickly became apparent to me and those who I worked with that it was really sport. it was really sport and sport only and that's that's where I stayed and I've I've never deviated since so I I, I sat in courtrooms for a while and meetings with other journalists when I was on that trail but I I had no real gravitation towards it I have to say I was far happier yeah. I was far happier in my own comfort zone shall I exactly. say exactly you'd rather be in Crow Park than a courtroom. Yeah, yeah, or Park Talton as it was then. I was very <laughs> covering county board meetings and council meetings, and I knew yeah. that. You get a feel for that. And look, to be honest, there was probably probably less pressure in covering something like that than there was a court court case exactly. where you make a, yeah. something like that. So I probably felt that too. It was just it was just an easier environment. And I was I had more knowledge of it. I was more more used to it and more more in tune with it really. Hmm. Like what would be your 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 top two sports uh, when it comes to you, you you like to cover or maybe you know more about obviously GA would be number one number two would it be soccer would it be snooker would it be what would it be I used to cover a lot of rugby in the mirror and I used to really really enjoy covering covering the rugby mm. or they weren't great at the time that was the that was the late 90s so uh, they weren't great but they started to pick up in the early 2000s chiefly under under uh, Warren Gatland as I recall he yes yeah um, so around that time, I would have covered the Irish rugby team, and obviously the provinces were getting going. I used to really enjoy that. I also used to enjoy covering the international soccer games too. 
Um, great experiences there uh, as well. Um, and they were a lot better than they were now. And there was obviously a lot of controversy and a lot of things happened around around that time too. So that was enjoyable, I have to say. Between between those, the major sports, I mean, obviously I play a bit of golf, so I'd enjoy golf, but the opportunities to cover that would be would be few and far between. It's quite a, a niche sport in in uh, in in journalism. Obviously, uh, the amateur game would be pretty big in Ireland, and obviously since then a lot of Irish major winners. But I never covered it, and the, there have been a lot of Irish major winners, but I've never covered it that since. So uh, yeah. by and large, it would be the the major field, the major field game that I would uh, I would enjoy most, and I would would have been most comfortable covering because obviously I, I would have felt I understood them better you're not a Man United fan by any chance I'm not I would have uh, <laughs> I would have been uh, I would have been a Leeds United fan in my uh, in my early days obviously uh, as a as polar fan. opposite yeah <laughs> they're back up now and I have a watching interest in it but uh, yeah watching interest in it obviously alright I wouldn't be I wouldn't be a, a major devotee of any team but I do I do enjoy watching it all and obviously mm. I do enjoy curating my fantasy football team as well <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah so, so that through that prism I do take an interest in it uh, yeah, yeah quite to quite a large degree but I, I would have no great affinity to any team really enjoy watching a lot of them uh, obviously enjoy watching Liverpool play I have to say and City at, mm. Well, I'd obviously have a, a softer spot for Leeds. Yeah, um, I'm always interested uh, in asking, let's say, GA journalists or, or journalists that 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 cover intercounty um, games and and semi-finals and finals in Crow Park. I mean, how how is that day? Let's say on All Ireland final day. How, how what is your routine? What time do you get to Crow Park? What's kind of your routine on Ireland final yeah. day? Again, you know, on a Saturday, I would obviously, I'd read all the papers, see mm. what everybody else is saying. And some of the coverage can be great, even with the absence of uh, internal player and management views is quite limited. But, you know, some of my colleagues and some of the other, some of the other correspondents really do, you know, they produce great stuff in, in more challenging circumstances that, that used to be there. And I'd obviously listen to a lot of the preview shows as well in the build up to it. So, Coming into it, you'd 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 mm. feel you'd feel you'd, you're on top of everything, even though you may not be. You may not be, and others others would be the judge of that, obviously. But <laughs> I would feel I would I I would feel you know I think the coverage is very good. Yeah, and, and not just in print but broadcast right across the spectrum. Uh, you'll always find something very very interesting interesting views. On on the day itself, I, I'd try and get in, you know, for one o'clock. If there's no if there's no curtain raiser, at least I think I was in around one o'clock. I think I did, did a preview show for one of the radios uh, around quarter past one. So I know I was in at one o'clock today. But I always walk in actually from um, Park Out in Drumcondra. Okay, and walk in. Like to walk in most for most games, and that's the only routine I would have. And uh, you know, around one o'clock, and you're just sitting sitting getting ready for it really and talking to a lot of the colleagues we'd have a place out the back where we'd sit around and talk and you know that's that's really it with no curtain raiser then you're not drawn to outside too early i did enjoy the this year i have to say i enjoyed the the three teams that came out this in the uh 25 year anniversary they brought the three teams out because of covid delays so there's a lot of players out there who are of the same vintage as myself and some really great players the dublin 95, Mead 96, yeah. Kerry 97. So it was a great array of players. And I know they had a great day. It's just a pity that they came out to an empty stadium, really, because yes. I mean, with Morris Fitzgerald, you know, waving, waving to a very, very small crowd in the Hogan stand and Seamus Moynihan, 
and Tommy Dowd and players like that uh, waving to a small crowd in uh, in the Hogan stand. So from that point of view, it was a bit disappointed, but they had a great day and it was great to see them and see what they're like now. That's always one of the yeah. interesting uh that's always one of the interesting parts of the day to see, well, 25 years on, there are some that you would not have seen that would not have maybe a profile, obviously. And, you know, so you, you uh, it's always interesting to see how, how they've turned yeah. out so many years later. But by and large, I would be covering the match, an actual match report with some stats-based information around it as well. And obviously, we um, there's an online straight after it element too. Uh, for us, so you know, we would be writing to the final whistle by and large, putting across an initial report, and then after the that, details. after that, you flesh it out with a more detailed report that goes up the following morning or or later that evening, and uh, obviously appears in print as well. So you know, I I could probably be finished around around eight, half eight, sometime between that, and that's that's the day done primarily. Obviously, you'll drop down to the dressing rooms afterwards, and even if I'm not directly covering quotes that side of it uh you'll always listen into what the managers have to say as well because by and large most of them will give a certainly the winning manager will always give a, a fair and honest assessment of of, of something to the the losers my experience yeah. of it is they want to get out of there as quick as possible and to be honest it's hard to blame them either after yeah. losing the Ireland final like how how is what is the mindset when you're kind of writing that report because it's not going out until later on this evening basically or are you actually doing the live report as as your as the game is well, there's, there's there's two elements of it. Uh, you know, you're looking out for everything. You're looking out for things that maybe hmm. you would not see on the screen. Like we would have monitors beside us as well, and there's obviously the the screens within the within. Oh, the you have the monitors. Yeah, there's TV monitors that show the game, so they they're beside us. Um, they're beside us in the in the press box, um, so you can see things back. You can see replays. You can see them on the big screen. You can obviously see them online as well. You can track the game online. There are many ways. And you'll obviously get a much broader view of it looking out. The online elements, you won't really, you won't, you're, you're on the final whistle, but like it could be 10, 15 minutes after that when you complete. And it's a short report, so it doesn't really, it doesn't really distract you that much or at all really from the action. So, you know, you, you take all the details as you see them, you write down notes. Maybe I'm very, very bad note taker. Sometimes I can't read my own writing, but I can think it out. And I, I, I know I know what I'm looking for and everything will develop a pattern. And after a while, you'll see a pattern for things. Uh, you, you'll, you'll, you'll pick on, up on things that you'll continue to look out for, uh, whether it's uh, whether it's a matchup or a trend of the way maybe maybe scores are coming or something like that. But it was all they will always follow their own course and you will develop something from that, too. And just over time, you get you, you find your own way through it. Everybody has their own way of finding Finding their way through a game, no matter no matter who yeah. you are, what angle you're covering from, covering it from, uh, you'll always you'll always take a, a line of thought, and you and you will follow that. And whether you're right or wrong, you'll have the conviction to believe that it's true anyway. Exactly. But mo- yeah, most yeah. of the time, most of the time, whatever you feel your conviction is, you'll 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 follow on that. Um, I do want to get onto a bit of GA talk, as in the actual sport, not the media side of things. Um. Looking back on 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 this year's championship that has just gone past the intercounty championship, would you would you maybe say it's been a better championship that we've seen in previous years? The fact that it's been far more open than than in previous years. Yeah, I think when the action got to Croke Park, uh, I felt it really went up up a notch. Obviously, yeah. that Armagh go again, and I actually looked back at it there in the middle of last week. I 
I watched it in its entirety and it was a great game. There was obviously plenty of uh, pause plays in it when the action slowed down and the ball was kicked laterally. But that is all part of the modern game now. That has to be accepted. You're not going to be going at breakneck, spe- breakneck speed the whole time. So there is plenty of that integrated into all games. But there's always, the, in, in all of the Croke Park games, maybe bar the Derry-Galway game. So, you know, even Armagh Galway, Kerry Dublin, the final itself, um, not so much Kerry Mayo. I think the atmosphere struggled a little bit there. I just yeah. think it, it because it came after the Armagh Galway with everything. I was there, yeah. It was penalties. chocolate and cheese. It, you know, for, for Kerry Mayo, who have had some cracking games in Croke Park and obviously won in, in Limerick too, but they have had some great. Those two 2014 semifinals were just superb. Um, it lacked a bit of atmosphere, Kerry Mayo, but it that did. was probably understandable coming after everything went on. Like a large section of the crowd were from Armagh, and obviously after losing, they left. So, but still, it wasn't a bad game. I think the other three, the quarterfinal would would go with the the semi final between Dublin and Kerry again had its own quota of pause play where everybody you know stopped and took a breath and. You know, every they're all the defensive alignments, but generally, I think the number of incidents and just just the uh, the way Kerry picked holes in Dublin, and then Dublin came storming back, obviously with the crescendo of noise from the hill that afternoon. That was a great day, and then the final itself was just terrific. The shootout, primarily the shootout between David Clifford and Shane Walsh. I've never seen, certainly in an All Ireland final, I don't remember where two players of that caliber went head to head against each other. And scored as they did. Yeah. The quality of the scores, never mind the quantity, the quality of the scores that they produced that day was really, it went to a different level. It's amazing. But you see, like, I know Galway got to a final and it's it's all well and good. But do you see that Galway squad picking up next year and what they've done this year? Or do you feel it was a bit more of a, look, they had an open, maybe run to the final? Uh, they had a good run to the final, but they beat some very good teams too. They obviously beat Mayo very early on and were able to keep uh, form right throughout the three months. Um, there were good wins against Armagh. I felt they were a better team than Armagh on the day. They should have made that game safe in normal time, but they did have obviously an issue with late concessions happened against Mayo. They conceded five points from a six-point lead one by one. They were hit with a couple of late goals against Ross Common. And then they were hit with those two late goals and that late Rian O'Neill free. And there was plenty of mistakes that they can look back on and point out how they brought it all upon themselves. I think Galway have a good structure. They have some very, very good forwards, good scoring forwards. I think they'll be able to add more players into their team. They've had a lot of good underage development. The two teams that obviously, well, obviously they won the All-Ireland under 20 and they're getting a few players from that against Dublin in 2020 they, they've reached a couple of minor finals and it was 18 17 18 was it or 18 yeah, yeah. 17 18 they, they reached minor finals as well maybe 19 18 19 it is so they've been around uh, at underage level and i would expect them to be able to integrate more players um sometimes it's it could be difficult for them to go out and repeat it all next year but i would certainly think the year after they'll be coming strong again yeah certainly is uh, interesting were you surprised maybe with Dublin this year uh, given everyone was writing them off they got relegated to Division 2 everyone was writing them off were you surprised that actually they put it up to Kerry in that semi-final they may well could have could have won it like I wasn't surprised no I certainly wasn't surprised because 
obviously they've been some of their players have been on the road a long time and it's far easier for them to have a shorter focus hmm. within a season and that shorter focus is obviously the championship and probably the latter stages of the championship as much as anything when they when they really really switch on uh so that's really the hallmark of a team that some of them have been on the road for a long time. It did not surprise me at all. I was very impressed with them through Leinster. I know they're beating teams like Meath and Kildare who really should be stronger than they are, but weren't. But Dublin were clinical in the first half of both those games. And then they lost Conor Callaghan and James McCarthy for the court game. James McCarthy got back and had an absolutely monstrous game against, against Kerry, but Conor Callaghan didn't. They lose by a point. I'd venture to say that if Conor Callaghan was playing that game, they probably would have won it. Now, you can never say that exactly just because, but uh, they probably would have won that game. He brings a different energy to them. He brings a different ball retention. He's full of tricks. He just His movement and his ability to trap a ball and all of that inside just brings a different domain. He's a ball winner mm. and he's a terrific ball user. You don't see him losing, losing possession too often, if at all. Uh, he's clinical. He was actually... A, I'm pretty sure he was joint top scorer in, from play in the championship this year. Really? Only played three games. I think so. Uh, Cormac Costello scored 3-7. Shane McGuigan might have scored 1-13 from play. Again, um, I think he was, if you're not including the Taljan Cup in mainstream and the All-Ireland Championship with, with three games. So he was he was superb in Leinster. Um and he was a, he was a he was a big loss to Dublin. Um, mm. one that they can't really absorb and if you think he was he missed most of the league he missed all the league actually too so he wasn't there for much of the league James McCarthy wasn't there for the, much of the league so you, you, you can draw your own conclusion from that they are very very dependent on him the other player they're hugely dependent on is, is of course Kieran Kilkenny and he yeah. really he really drove the, the second half comeback after the goal he's, he's a magnificent player for them uh, the day that he turned down a contract in 2012 to Hawthorne, an AFL contract, was the best bit of news Dublin could have got because yeah. the last decade he's really framed it. And when you think Pierce Hanley went in the other direction, how the last decade could have changed, it's just such a profound influence on Dublin over the last since 20 since 2013, since actually after 2014 he did his cruciate, and since then he has been he's been a mainstay for them. So I wasn't surprised and I think they'll be right back next year for one last big tilt out and I think Dublin will be a big factor next year as well. Do you feel the, the Conor Callan and David Clifford debate could be next, let's say, the Messi v Ronaldo debate? Could he be on par with, with Clifford coming down the line if he gets a good run out of next year? He got outscore Clifford. He's, you mentioned he was one of the top scorers in play in this year's championship. Um, could he be on par with Clifford? I wouldn't say he's far away at all, even as it is. I mean, I, I've, it's a piece I've already touched on myself. I think it was last year, some of the great moments they had already produced. If you think of Conor Callaghan's work in All-Ireland Finals alone, if you think of his goal against Mayo in 2017, first couple of minutes, where he knifed through the defence and he, you know, out of the outside of his boot scores a goal within seconds. Think of the goal he scored against Tyrone in the semi-final that year also. Uh you know, he 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 drops the shoulder from halfway, and I think it was Ronan McNamee. He 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 got round. Brilliant goal early on. He's just he's just such a confident player. He's such an assured player. Low centre of gravity. He's able to jink and go. If you think of the goals he scored against Mayo in twenty nineteen, the two goals he scored in Lee Keegan's company, not an easy thing to do. And then against Mayo again, 
just the sheer ingenuity of his goal uh, in the 2020 All-Ireland Final. He has produced some scintillating moments that are a measure of Clifford in many, many ways. He scored four points in the replay of the All-Ireland Final in 2019. Now, he was one of five players. That's something I've never seen before, either five players to score from play in an All-Ireland Final. Now, David Clifford also scored four, but Conor Callaghan scored four points. The two of them scored four points from play that day. Uh, and that was the game of the highest standard, particularly the first half before Owen Merchant's goal broke it. But Conor Callaghan is right up there for you know, the two of them. I, the two of them, to me, are out on their own. Shane Walsh maybe lacks the same consistency to some degree. He's obviously a hugely talented player, and I think he'll get a bounce from what he did in the All-Ireland Final and how he played this year. I think he's second in terms of Football of the Year rankings. To my mind, I think he's second only to Clifford. Um, so I would I would bracket the two of them together, yes. Yeah, interesting. We'll get on to Mayo now. Um I don't want to keep you all day because we can obviously talk all day about Mayo and what's going on at the moment and the managerial race. It's it's kind of turned into a presidential candidate election or whatever. But um, I mean, you've you've spoken the Mayo News podcast about what you've made of the process. Um, at this stage, we've we've heard you reported in this morning. Um, basically, Ray Dempsey's uh, backroom team has been confirmed. What do you make of the four candidates, and who do you think will get it? I think the four candidates are very strong and they bring strong backroom teams with them. Uh, I think it's a healthy sign for Mayo, despite, you know, there might be some negativity after a poor season this year. And it was a poor season. I mean, the league final was, was terrible. And then the, you know, it was, it was, they were, I thought they were, you know, they, they rallied well against Kildare, but they, they were lucky enough to stay in that game. I thought Kildare probably should have, should have finished them. And uh, they were well adrift to Kerry, really, at the end, even though early in the third quarter they did have a foothold. But some of the wides that day were really, really poor. So some of the old ghosts came back to haunt them. All around was a poor year, underpinned by a lot of unforeseen circumstances, through injuries and all of that, to, to lose Tommy Conroy and then not to have Ryan O'Donoghue in the closing stages. They're the two players forwards that you'd really pin a lot of the hopes of the future on. Um, so good candidates. I think it's a healthy sign that uh, they're strong teams. I mean, obviously, uh, Rochford and Donny Buckley, Stephen Rochford and Donny Buckley joining Kevin McStay and Liam McHale. You're, you're merging 2016 to 2018 Mayo and Roscommon together hmm. all under the one banner and also introducing D- Damien Mulligan who brought Bell Mullet to last year's uh, County finals. So that's a very, very, they're all strong teams. Ray Dempsey has put together a really strong team. That was, you know, there's so many strands and elements to that too. And obviously he's a back-to-back um, county final, county title winning manager with not more. But rather than just uh, let that stand with the committee, which is a very, very strong position to be in the first place, he's added strands everywhere. And it's thought out with defence coaches who, you know, with, sorry, the emphasis will be on defence for, for some of them. Forwards, obviously, Oshie McConville has been brought in with that brief. But even the backup, the skills element, the the uh, athletic development, everything, he seems to have really pulled a lot of strands together. Obviously, Mike Solon as an All-Ireland under-21 winning manager as well. That's That gives him a strong, strong footing. And he's brought in Edna O'Rourke, who has a lot of experience of, you know, Kildare, Down, Louth, Armagh. He's been with four different county teams. And Declan Shaw obviously has his own experience with Castlebar, and he's brought in Paddy Christie, who would get it. I, I, I really, I really don't know, Kane. I really don't know. It's a hard one to uh, 
to pinpoint. I couldn't say with any certainty that uh, I couldn't say with any certainty. I, I, you know, you really need to be a fly on the wall for the interviews. I think yeah, the way the process is, you know, it's all very well putting the backroom teams out there, but how will they actually work? What will the emphasis be on? Where do they think the shortfalls are? I think it'd be very, very interesting to be sitting and I don't know whether it's a five or a six or a seven-man committee. I think it's a five-man committee, actually. Uh, the interview is five. So, so the, uh, the, uh, how the candidates project themselves, <clears throat> where do you think the shortfalls, all of that. Only one candidate has obviously spoken, Declan Shaw, um, on what he feels he needs to do. But I, I think it'd be very, very interesting to, to hear those views. It's a very, very tight race. Obviously, there's... Stacked with experience, Kevin McStay, stacked with so many variables on Ray Dempsey's team, and obviously <coughs> stacked with a lot of experience, Mike Solon as well. Um, they're they are they're all strong teams in their own right. I couldn't really say, Keen. I'd I'd be only I'd be only guessing or or I, I really wouldn't like to say. But but can I angle this differently and say looking at the current group of males players and, and, and the squad at the moment. Who do you feel they need? What manager do you feel will best suit this male squad? Again, is it down? It's down to it's down to experience. Uh, if it's down to experience, Kevin McStay's team has the most experience. Uh, if it's down to player development, Ray Dempsey has a very very strong track record of player development. Um, is there much? Is there much player development? More player development required in Mayo? Well, I would venture that the team will, will have to change again. Again in the future, and I would imagine Mike Mike Solon has a lot of experience too with the with the current group. Um, I think any of the three of them would be would be strong candidates in their own in their own right. Um, I would feel they would of the three I, of the four. I think they would have the though any of those three would have the strongest chance. That'd be my reading of it. Yeah, certainly. Um, I want to finish off with a quick fire round. Um, so I'm going to start off with who is your favorite broadcaster or journalist. At the moment, oh no doubt, Michael Clifford from the Irish Daily Mail. Yeah, brilliant, questionable. Mm. He's beyond beyond reproach, and one one of the great great characters of the press room. Uh, an hour, an hour in his company, or more or less, is is good is good for anybody. So put him out in his own, and I think a lot of my colleagues would agree with that. Fantastic. Um, what is your favorite pastime? Oh. Actually, now that I've reached over the age of fifty, walking, walking, just walking, not running. No, well, I run as well, but I, I rather walk. So, yeah, <laughs> walking. I've taken to walking quite a bit, uh, whether it's mountains or forest parks or anywhere like that when I get a chance. So, I'd, I would have to say, I would have to say, walking at the moment. And are you listen to any? Uh, are you listen to no. any podcasts or just? No, I don't listen to anything like that. I just walk and take in the the views and the air and all of that, but. Look, that's a sign of age, Kane. It won't be. I had different pastimes. Oh, long down the road, long down the road. But, 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 but right, um, now, right now, I'm really enjoying getting out, and that's probably probably a COVID thing, actually, that continued yeah. on. But I, I do, I do, I do enjoy that. Yeah. Um, tea or coffee? Coffee during the day, and tea maybe later on at night. Yeah. What Both. type of coffee? And too much of it. What type of coffee? Uh, Azira. Azira and tea is it lines or berries or is berries, it... berries tea, berries, berries tea, okay. red label berries tea. Okay, very passionate about that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, what's your What's your biggest advice to, let's say, people like myself, young 
aspiring journalists or broadcasters or people looking to go into the media? I would say, you know, be confident in yourself and have conviction about about what you say and and what you do. Um, I would say they're the biggest things. Be confident in yourself and just just have the conviction to follow through on ideas. And and look, never think that any idea is too madcap. Hmm. Uh, there always there's always there's always an interest in, in 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 anything like that. So if you come up with an angle, follow it, pursue it, and don't think it's too outrageous. Just go for it. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, your favorite TV series? Uh, actually, the one I enjoyed most was the, the Crown recently. Crown. <laughs> and and at the moment, nothing at the moment. Actually, I, when it comes to summertime, I generally be watching generally be watching matches. So uh, I'd have to pass on that one. There's nothing nothing in my locker at the moment. No, no, no. Um, what has been the single highlight of your career? Um, single highlight of the, my career I suppose I covered the World Cup in 2002 in Japan and that was a great experience I covered that for the mirror I was I was only in I was only in Japan so uh, I wasn't in Saipan that, that, oh you were um... I'm in Saipan I only okay. came to and that was a great experience to be in in Japan and to be to join that at that stage when things were so hot and heavy that was really something um uh, that was that was something and i suppose to be in croke park on that saturday evening in september 2019 when dublin did five in a row that was something else too because and i actually think the drawn game was far more tense yeah. those last those last 15 minutes when it was all on the line um and you really sensed kerry were going to repeat history what was done to them in 1982 and that they were going to thwart five in a row but Dublin's resilience was really something to behold then and before and even since for a while as well but I would say the tension and atmosphere in Crow Park that for those last few minutes it was certainly even from a neutral point of view it was it was hard to even uh you know, put pen to paper when there was so much on the on the line. It was it yeah. was hard to detach from the atmosphere, not so much the even well, the atmosphere and the sense of history on the line. And then D- Dublin got the job done in the second half of the of the replay. But they were down to fourteen players that day, and it was a uh, it was it was a real it was a real challenge to them. And you know, some of the hurling games, uh, even I even I go as far as this year. It was a privilege to be in Semple Stadium for Clare and Limerick. It was really a terrific game atmosphere. Yeah. Just non-stop. It really was. Sometimes you have to stop and think, wasn't that just brilliant? And you you talk to people afterwards and say, it must have been something to be in there. And you don't really get an appreciation of it until maybe someone else says it to you. But when you look back at that game and to be there that day, to be there that evening, even, you know, I think it was two or three hours of traffic. You could still hear the horns of the traffic, people getting away from Thurless, that There was such a crowd there, first of all. And it was just such an atmosphere. And everybody knew it was a game for the ages that people will talk about for, for forever, as long as as long as yeah. they're talking about games in, in Thurla. So that was great. So their highlights, just some of them. I mean, there's obviously other ones as well, but I'd pick out I'd pick out those. They're the ones that come to mind, yeah. Yeah, they yeah. do. For me. I mean, I'm not obviously I'm 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 neutral in all of this, but but uh it's a great uh, experience it like. There, there, no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah. Which would you rather cover? Um a GA All Ireland final or a hurting All Ireland final. Uh, no 
no particular distinction. I couldn't say one way or the other. It would depend on the teams that were playing and the quality of the game that I was expecting. You can, you know, obviously Limerick are great to watch because of such a physical side and they power through. But so so were Kilkenny, obviously. And Kilkenny Tipperary games through the Cody era um, were really, really good. They were really, there was, there was always an edge and an atmosphere there. And obviously some of the Dublin Mayo games as well were terrific. Talking about atmosphere, I always remember the 2015 replay on a Saturday evening between Dublin and Mayo. The semi-final, yeah. The semi-final replay, yeah, in 2015. And that was some atmosphere. And obviously Mayo went ahead and could have gone further ahead. And James McCarthy chased down Lee Keegan. And there was just a sense that day that Mayo might might get them that day. It didn't happen. And then 2017 was one of the great All-Ireland finals too. And I always recall... Killeen O'Connor had a a free out of his hands down in the corner of the Hogan stand and the hill end. And just as he was lining up the kick, I think the announcer, the announcement came over the tannoy to say that there was seven minutes left. And you could almost feel the the life being sucked out of the Mayo crowd when they heard that, because up to that, there was a sense that, you know, we, we can actually take them here. And when that came across, I just sensed that day that the, the mood and the atmosphere changed, and that there was a, a vulnerability. And as it happened, it, it that's the way it, that's the way it played out. And uh, that's a game I felt Mayo probably probably should have won, even though Dublin's resilience and their single mindedness got them over the line. But that's that's okay. probably the day day that I would have felt. So it would really depend. I mean, a Dublin Mayo, a Dublin Kerry All Ireland football final, terrific. I really look forward to Kilkenny and Limerick this year as well um, because I knew Kilkenny. I sensed Kilkenny would throw everything at them. They wouldn't beat them, but I just... And they did. And uh, Fantastic they, final. They made it. So there were two great, two great All-Ireland finals this year in their own right. I'd never distinguish... couldn't really distinguish between them because um, it, would de- it would depend on the participants and how close and the potential either game would have. Obviously, yeah. there are All-Ireland finals where you would think, well, I thought 2018, you'd think... Because Dublin, Toronto, Dublin will win this well, and uh, they probably they did win it well. Dublin, they probably did win it well. So, um, but you, it, it, it depends on your sense of anticipation around it. Who is your favourite GA player of all time? So it can be hurling, it can be football. Who has the best you've ever seen, or your favourite? Mm. I'd say probably watching Morris Fitzgerald. In action was great. It was great to see Morris Fitzgerald do some of the things he did. And it's great to watch Clifford and Conor Callahan as well. I'd put them uh, right up there for what they can do too. I also enjoyed watching Anthony Tohill play for Derry. That was a sight when he would get going too. He was such a powerful midfielder. So I had a liking for watching him play back in the 90s and 2000s as well. But I'd say Probably growing up, Jack O'Shea was my my favorite player. I thought he was, I thought he was the best player I'd ever seen then, and I still think it now. I know everything is relative, but for what he did, box to box, uh, yeah. he was he was terrific. I mean, he won four. I think it's four Player of the Year awards. They're not they're not easily won, no matter who's the judging panel or whatever it is. To win four like that just takes some doing. So I still put him out there as the most effective, best GA player, Gaelic footballer. Last question. Describe yourself in three words. I'll describe it in four. Fair and easy going. 
Brilliant. Column Keys, absolute pleasure. Thanks a million. Thanks, Keith. Thank you.